Sunday we get to do something exciting, dig into Colossians again. There is a passage as we come into this part of Colossians that is so surprising, so out of whack with Western thinking, with our view of how things ought to be, that it just really, uh, it just stands out. It really is, uh, it's, it's something to behold. We'll get to that. Let me tell you about uh, this bizarre things that happen, the unexpected and unwanted. I don't really have to tell you about this because it happens to you all the time. But back in May, uh, May 26, 2002, people were traveling on I-40 when they came upon the bridge at Weber's Falls, and that bridge collapsed. So they are on their Memorial Day weekend trip thinking they are going to see somebody, go on vacation, go do something that they had planned, and all plans changed as they plunged into the river. That changes everything. Unexpected, unwanted. There were people, there was a fishing tournament going on, Spoken to uh, Daryl, you guys know <laughs> Daryl was there, uh, and when the cars started hitting the water, they drove these guys all, you know, abandoned the fishing tournament. I know you probably didn't think they would, and they drove over, took the boats over, and tried to rescue as many as they could. And um, it was just a turn of events. Suddenly, everything changes, and uh, another in November of last year, November 26th, uh, Jake and Brenda get married, and they're over there in Claremore, and 36 hours later, he dies. So that wasn't planned. That wasn't the hope. Just in a few hours, that is done, and, and everything changes. And for others... There have been sudden things, unexpected, unwanted things. You lose a job, everything goes a different direction. You get a cancer diagnosis, everything goes a different direction. An accident, suddenly things turn. A loved one dies. Uh, War is declared. And this is Memorial Day weekend, so we are remembering those who have served in our armed forces and given their lives on behalf of this country uh, that's a change. People in the military, but also war is declared, and they don't come home. Things are different. Earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, tsunamis, sudden, unexpected, unwanted, and they come, and they just are relentless. But we need a bigger picture, so we're going to back up and take a look at that. The bigger picture, uh, there's an eternal element to this. We are not alone. There's a God who created all things. He set this in motion. We exist in, inside of an enormous universe. And just the world by itself is, is big enough to keep us busy. But if you extend that out, that is huge. And yet that is just a small thing in God's hand. And he set all of that just in motion and made all of those things possible. 
So life is, it, it, on earth is just for a short time. We're here for just a moment. And life everlasting is endless. So we're, this world is set inside a universe that is enormous, which is set inside of the expanse of heaven or the eternal, which is really endless. And then we have this time thing. And we think, that's all there is. And we get locked into, it's, this is all there is. We're used to it, and so we think we know. But we don't. And there's much more, much more beyond what we see, what's going on, how big this place is, how life continues, and that this is not the end of it. God is aware. God is aware of the unexpected and the unwanted. Sometimes when those things happen, if you go to prayer, you start to cry, you start to whine, complain, whatever it is you may do when something happens, you somehow turn to God like he doesn't know. You don't know this happened. You don't know so-and-so is sick. Oh, you don't know they did evil. You don't know that they died. You don't know how much this means to me. Because we know all things. And we know how all things work. So we have the right to come and complain. And God Almighty is saying, you don't even understand what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't know how much more unexpected and unwanted. You think this is bad. You want to complain about this. Just hold on. There's more. But there's also more that he wants to bring our way. There's more he wants us to know. There's more that he has revealed to let us know that there's a whole lot more to this story. And sometimes we sell them short. So, there are unshaken people in impossible situations. So, unshaken in the impossible. So, we're going to take a look back at some of that. There is, uh, I don't know, losing a leg. And then you would consider, well, if you lose a leg, you can't run. You can't walk. You can't get around. You can't do anything. Your life is over. And yet, people who have lost their legs run in races, compete in Paralympics, and they are, well, some of them just flat out compete in the Olympics. So you go, well, all right, that's impossible. But the only way to do that is to be approaching things in a way that says there's more and to be unshaken. I think of the Jewish people in the in Germany in, in the during the Nazi era. And you think they're in, they're in concentration camps. They are being murdered by the millions. And there were people in those camps who kept their eyes on the living God and did not give up. Unshaken. In the midst of horrors, there were Christians also because they were also being thrown in uh, into those prisons. And there were people who, who faced blindness or deafness. And it's a lifelong situation. And it, it seems impossible, but they are unshaken. They just keep going. And they figure out a way 
to, to, um, to live. Uh, there are people who, who have been unacceptable in society. You think of caste systems. I mean, India still sort of has one. Other societies have had them. We have unspoken ones. And certain uh, races, religions, uh, financial scenarios, who has the better job, who has a bigger house, whatever things we come up with. And we have ways of these people are acceptable, those people aren't acceptable. We, we do all of those kind of things too. There was a time when women, in case you didn't know, women were not allowed to vote or own property. So in some countries, still true. But that, that's, that's not like that old. That is, you know, within a century. That is a change. So how could that go on for, you know, all, all that time? And you go, well, that seems like, and, and at, back when, that seemed like an impossible thing to change. So we've got all, a number of things that are going on. And somehow... We can live in this world and live with those things unshaken. But it happens because of what Christ has done and and the life that he's offering. So Christ is Lord even when everything, the unwanted, the unexpected, horrible things happen. He is unchanged. And he still has a plan. He still loves us and he has a plan for our lives that goes beyond it all way beyond it all. But we don't enjoy it unless we decide to live it. He's invited us to live in the kingdom. That doesn't mean, oh, it's all comfortable. Everything's going to be rosy for you. From here on, everything bad will now escape you. Nope. It's a call to a life of being unshaken in the midst of the unwanted and the unexpected. It's a life above it all, beyond it all, deeper than it all, that all is. Let me take you to this place in Rome. In the Roman Empire, it was mainly built on uh, a slave, uh, well, built on slaves. So this, this whole condition of uh, and this is just whatever people they could find, so they would. Uh, and the word slave is, is from this words from Slavic people. So when you go, oh, those are Eastern Europeans, yeah, because the Romans are getting them, and so that's they just conquered those people. So they bring them; they'd be slaves. They might dip down into North Africa and grab people there. They'll bring them to Italy. They can be slaves. They go to Israel or the Middle East. They go grab some Persians or they grab some people from Israel. They can be slaves. It's just whoever they've conquered. And, and, and they go up into the Germanic lands and they get them and they're going to be slaves. So it's just where, wherever. They just get people. They were enslaved. And that's not new. It's just that the Rome, Rome was big. So they had a lot of power, they had a lot of people, they had a big military. They could, they could take in a lot to keep their empire going. So they, here they have this system. They're not the only ones. Everybody else is doing this. It's just that they're, they're big. So, and the, and the reason we need to know that is, Paul writes to them. 
He writes to the slaves and gives them instructions. That's why it matters. So slavery in Rome, they have no rights. So just imagine, you, you've got to kind of enter into this to, to make this work. Imagine all of the stuff you complain about, you have somebody you can go to. You can go to your representative. If you work in a company, you can go to the boss or the manager or somebody. You can complain. You, you can go hire an attorney to protect you. You can, whatever you want to do, you can, you can find a way to find somebody or a group of people. Or you protest in the streets. You can do something. Slaves have no rights. They have no right to property. They they have breeding programs, but you don't have a marriage. You don't have you don't have rights to your children. The the master, the owner, takes takes all of that. They can have you work twelve hour day, and then rent you out for another six or eight hours to the neighbor, and they get the money. You don't get it. You just work. You put in the time. You put in the energy. If you complain about somebody else getting promoted, uh, they have whips. They have ways of dealing with that. They have uh, uh, not too far from, well, we'll just cut your thumbs off or kill you. So you have no rights. So put yourself in that kind of uh, a situation. No rights, no allowances. Uh, no freedoms. You just work. That's what you're expected to do. And here's that surprising passage. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Slaves. Now you know who he's talking to. Obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time. Not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. And you can read that and go, well, that's just nuts. Why would anyone ever say something like that? They're slaves. This is a horrible situation. And yet, Paul is giving them an indication that there is so much more. If it's all about this life, the short time we've got here and the situation we're in and all the unexpected and unwanted situations we find ourselves in. Remember, many of the captives or the slaves are captives. They're not, some of them are born into slavery, but many of them are just, they used to have their own farms or businesses or whatever. Now they're slaves. That's the situation. There is, as Paul is giving them this, this, calling them to this higher level, there is spiritual motivation. Spiritual motivation. He's taking them from, from the physical, well, this is how I feel about it. Here's my opinion. I, I'm not being treated right. All, all of the things that come with that to a different level of dealing with the unexpected and the unwanted. Spiritual motivation. There's something else going on here. It's way beyond what you see. Even as painful as it is, it's way beyond what you see 
there's fear of God over desire the flesh. Okay. I'm going to serve them sincerely because I fear the Lord. That doesn't enter into most people's thinking. And, and most of the time when people are, are using these passages, they make it about employees and employers. Employees have rights. I don't know if you knew that. You, maybe you, you work for people who don't give you any. But normally that's how that goes. These people have no rights. So reduce it down to you are nothing. And they can do whatever they want to you. You just have, you're, the only reason you get fed is because you work. And you work whenever they say. And even if you hire, you're hired out someone else, they get the money. You don't. So it's all gone. But there's spiritual motivation for these believers because some of these slaves are coming to the Lord. Many of the slaves are coming to the Lord in, in this first century. There is a desire to, to please God in this. They're going beyond um, just what they know and, and by what they've experienced. They, they, they have been moved into a new level of existence, although they're still slaves, that is so high, so exalted. And Paul is trying to remind them of this, this exalted place that they, hold, they now hold. There is uh, something about all of this that can can seem to say, well, you're stuck, and now now Jesus, who's supposed to love you, says you just have to stay there, you have to be a, a slave forever, suffer, that's your lot. And, you know, that may be how things work out. He's never said in any of these passages when it's dealing with slavery that you have to stay. Remember, he got a bunch of people from Israel out of slavery. So he's not like, oh, I am pro-slavery. Nope. Sure, seek freedom. What he's addressing here is, I'm just telling you, remarkable. This is the lowest level you can be in society. There is nothing. These people may have names in it, and it may be um, because they found some of these, these names, and it, it'll, it'll be like two bags because he could carry two bags when they found him, and therefore that's, that will be his name. Or, uh, you know, like Mutton Buster. Well, ro- rodeo's on, so that made me think of that. <laughs> but they come up with names. That just, they just see them, and they just assign them a name, which is what, in, in our day, or in our country, some of the weird names that... Uh, so that, I'll pick the Cherokee tribe. Some of the names that have been given them are given them because there was... Somebody from Washington, D.C. sitting at a table when the line of the Native Americans comes through and he can't speak English, so they go, well, your name is Pumpkin. And they just assign names. That's what they were doing to these guys. They just gave them names. How personal is that? You go, yeah, I came from a family. You know, we, we, we lived just in, in Germany, but you know, I have a name, I have a family, I have a history. Nope, stripped away. We're just, we're just going to, 
call you two bags because you can lift two bags. And that's, that's it. Until you can't lift two bags and then you may have to die because you're no value to us. But God does not say you have to stay there. So just keep that in mind that there's, you know, that this isn't the end of that story in this life. But I want you to take, internalize this. Feel it deeply. What is it to be stripped of everything you fight for? All that ego. Oh, I need to be seen. Oh, I need to be heard. Nobody, nobody's really paying attention to me. I am so hurt. And things aren't working out for me. And, and the people I love die. Well, probably for these slaves, everybody they knew was gone or dead. So how did Paul come up with this ridiculous statement to tell these people who are in such pain, who have lost everything, they should obey their earthly masters. See the problem? They should please them all the time, not just when they're watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Because God has something else going on. The universe is so much bigger than we can imagine. The world is bigger than we can imagine. And heaven is way beyond all that. And eternity is much longer than this life. And Paul's saying, I've got something to tell you. How you respond, even as a slave, when you think you are nothing. You are not nothing to the living God. And everything you do in attitude, in word, in work, is observed by the watchers of heaven. Everything is watched. Everything is noted because you are of such significant value. And he gives them that. And he's saying, yeah, your reverent fear of the Lord should drive you beyond all the whining, complaining. So now think of, you got a job. You get paid. You may have to work eight hours. Oh my gosh, I didn't get my 15 minutes this afternoon. How horrible it is to be treated such. So you do a half, can't say that word, job. And the boss comes by and you look busy. But then he goes away. And you're not busy. You guys been to any fast food places where the manager happens to be not there when you show up and it runs so well and you go into a store and you go how are these aisles what, what's up with all the trash in the aisles of a dollar store Reesers or whatever and you're going what is going on with this shouldn't the workers just work no because they're talking to their friend on the phone where does that come from? We're human. We're looking out for ourselves. It's a bother for me to come and get my, well, now $15 minimum an hour. And you're going, huh. These guys have nothing. Nothing. And they are called to give the best job for people who have enslaved them. Are you catching this? This is huge. 
highest quality. Verse 23. Work willingly. What? Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Working for the supreme being, God Almighty, who's in control of all things. He knows what's coming. He knows where you came from. He knows your attitude. He knows the work, the kind of work you're doing. He knows whether you're putting your best out there. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So when it comes to taking out the trash at your house, do you do that willingly? Who makes the bed? Who mops the floors? Who vacuums? Who's taking care of the dusting? Who gets out there and digs in the dirt to make sure that the, the things in the flower bed are taken care of? Who, who is making sure the floor of the car isn't all trashed out? Who makes sure that the, just the basics are done willingly? to the absolute best of your ability. And that's you, freely, living in your own place. And God Almighty saying, what? I'm asking slaves who don't even own anything to do it really, really well, willingly, to the best of their ability, because they are being watched. Their attitudes are noted. The whining is written down. Would you like to read the whines that you've had over the years? Or would you like to see God's notation saying, Wow, what a job. You did so well. Look at how you approached that. Even though everyone was down on you. Even though nobody noticed you, you did it. You cleaned that dusty area that nobody's really going to ever see. Because you know I can see it. Because you're doing it willingly for me. That's why Paul's writing this. So we changed from begrudging to benefiting. From the complaining, we move into a whole new area of life that, that says, yeah, bad things happen. There's stuff I do not want to happen. It's unexpected. It's horrible. Granted, happens to people all over the world, has since the beginning, will until Jesus comes back, unchanged. But out there, there's a whole new life. Beyond this time, when this world is done, there's a whole new world. There is a whole new thing coming. And he's saying, get ready for that. Live it. Live it now. These slaves who are living this way can live in the kingdom of God, even though they're enslaved. Here on this planet, honor him, even those around them, other slaves, maybe the masters, come into this going something is different about that person and now they are intrigued maybe enter into a relationship with the living God all because of the approach 
all because of attitude, all because of the willingness to do the right thing, seeking something else. The highest reward, verse 24, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. What? An inheritance. Slaves can't have an inheritance. There's nothing for them. They can't pass anything on because they don't own anything. What a statement. The Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. Do you think that didn't bring tears to eyes? Oh. The master you are serving is Christ. Oh, I thought it was Joe Bob. Nope. Nope, it's Christ. Your inheritance is exalted and everlasting. Your inheritance is exalted and everlasting. It comes from Him. Nothing can spoil it. doesn't rust. Nobody can steal it. It's exalted and everlasting. You work for the Messiah. Wow. Well, I got these chores to do. I'm going to have to grumble about that a couple hours. You work for the Messiah. But I haven't been treated right at you know, they, they promoted so-and-so, and it just it ain't right. Maybe it's not right, but you work for the Messiah, not for Acme. You work for the Messiah, unless you don't. But he's calling these slaves to a higher level, and their reward is tied to this and tied to the right attitude and approach. Which is why he de deals with consequences in verse 25. If, if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done. For God has no favorites. Verse 25. You know, these guys have no rights. They're already being beaten. I mean, what more can happen to them? Well, they work for the Messiah. And he's saying, so, so you've had a tough childhood. Now I'm moving it into the 21st century. People haven't treated you right, patted you on the head, given you all the little things that you needed to make your life soft and comfy. So you have a right to just whine and not do things right. Huh. Look at this. If you do what's wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done. Wait, they came and took me from my country. They killed my family. They brought me here as a slave. If you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done. God has no favorites. Uh, you hear me on this? Because this ought to just be crushing in this era. He has no favorites. You listen to him, you do what he says. You honor him. He's not playing if you're a slave, if you're a king, you'll listen to him. The reward is tied to that, to actually following through in attitude and action. It changes everything. If we decide we just want to do bad, have a bad attitude, consequences are real. He has no favorites. The true master, verse 1 of chapter 4. Masters, 
Be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. And he just puts it back, you know, there's, there's more to this. Even those who are masters are going to be held accountable. It's interesting that he, he is saying that there's a bigger master. You may think you're at the top. There's somebody bigger. And you will have to deal with him. Just be fair. Treat your slaves right. So it's both and in this situation. In those uh, congregations, as these churches were forming in that first century, all around the Roman Empire, Israel and Egypt, and as they went across North Africa into what is now Turkey or Greece or wherever they are, they, they're gathering together people who are, some are masters, some are slaves. And there are statements that say, we're all in this together. As far as God's concerned, we're all in this together. And all people can know him, and all people can experience this incredible life that goes way beyond what we know here, what we experience here, the the culture that we think is the end all. It goes way beyond all of that. Because it's in the eternal. It's in the heavenly. It's the kingdom of God made possible for us. He's saying, no matter where you are on the spectrum, it's Christ. It's knowing him. It's knowing that God is God and that there's so much more. When we do this right, let's imagine that the slave has worked really hard, done exactly what we just read. He's followed through willingly doing this job well. The master may have treated him badly. You go, well, yeah, there you go. That's what I thought would happen. That's why I'm not going to work hard. I'll just try to slide. Huh. Get to heaven. What's that look like? The slave walks in, receives all these honors, and the Lord lifts him up where the master's brought in that's not so kind and not such a pleasant experience. May make it into heaven, but if he hasn't done it right, he's not treating his his slaves right or the people who work for him, whatever level they are, not so good. Because God does not have favorites. What did they do? And how did they do it? The slave can be highly exalted, far beyond the master. And that's eternity. So how should we approach it? How should we do our jobs? How should we do the chores that we have? How should we treat the people around us? How should we treat someone who serves us food at a local restaurant? In that moment, you become some kind of a master, someone who has an opportunity to provide a job and an income to somebody, and you can say a kind word, or you can be a jerk. When you stand before the Lord, which do you think is going to go well? And yeah, he's writing it down. Because he is assigned watchers to keep, keep an eye. And he records attitudes, words, actions. Reset your concept of time. If everything in your life is about right now, what's happened to me, oh my gosh, how bad it's been, and then what am I going to do next week or next month or next year? It's all limited 
you need to reset that and start looking at everlasting. What's going to happen there? I don't know if you remember, those of you who've already passed high school years, your junior year. You remember all the details of your high school junior year? You guys have like mental problems? Why, why is that that you don't remember? Because it does not matter now. You spend 70, 80 years here. Do you know what that's going to be in eternity? Like your junior year. So you want to focus on this now? Or do you want to get with the program that God already has laid out for you that is so grand? You can't even wrap your mind around it. He has so much more. But it requires that daily we look to him as Lord. We get those chores done willingly. We do the job that he's given us to do because we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Changes our attitude. Changes our approach. It changes how we get along with people. All of it. Heaven is waiting we're supposed to be praying that God's will be done on earth as it is in New York. No, in heaven. The heavens, the, the, the eternal, the bigger, bigger than the universe. God's running of things. That's what we're supposed to be praying, asking God to bring about here, in us and around us. And don't forget when we're praying those things, it's about us. Getting our minds, our hearts, our attitudes right in line with him. Not just go fix those people, fix the guys in office. It starts with us. So pray that God breaks loose heaven in us. That his will be done on earth, in us, in the job we're going to do. The relationship we're going to have, the call we're going to make, all of it. Unlimited. Reset your concept of time. It's unlimited. Out there, it's unlimited. Here, we're going, oh, and you know, it's so big and it's huge, and look what's facing me, and oh, it's coming, and this thing's going to be done. Today, this is Memorial, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, last week, we went to uh, the decoration day. That's a thing they do with my, fam- my mom's family down in Vianne. So we went down there and hung out with the family. Go to the cemeteries, go to two. We did two. Today we'll do a similar thing with my family and Cass's family and, and we'll look to, you know, go by and, and visit the people who aren't there. But we have, there's markers and there's a, what does that tell us? There's a, there's a date and a dash and a date. That means it's limited. It's how big it is for all of them. A bunch of mine are near 100 and you go, okay, that's pretty cool. Well, even if they made it two weeks, it's still limited. Just there's a dash. That's it. That's all there is. The dash. What is it in our concept of time that, that throws us off and we're living in this world and go, I, I need to rethink that. I need to think in terms of unlimited. I need to think in terms of everlasting. I need to think in terms of what is God in heaven doing and how is that working out here? It's good to honor the, those who have gone on. It's, that's all part of it. And we need their stories. That's that's kind of how this all works. But we need to remember who's in charge. 
We need to remember who God is. We need to remember the Messiah. We need to know who we are working for and with in all of this. So in the whole of this, we also need the order of the king. We need to switch the priorities. Well, I need this to work out like like yesterday. I prayed for this and it should be done at least within the week. And the king is saying, no, I think maybe you can, if you work hard, you might be ready to handle this in about 15 years. Huh. But in my mind, I'm already, I, I am so ready. You can't drive till you're 16. At 15, you think you're ready. You can't drink till you're 21. At 18, you think you're ready. What is it? And God in heaven's going, no, I got real rules. Those are just made up. And then they're helpful, but those are made up. I've got some real ones. You're not ready. It may take you 20 years to get to this place. Or maybe, maybe next week. And it may be that unexpected, unwanted thing that's going to help us get straightened out, get in line, start listening, and go his way. And he brings it, and you go, I don't want to be a slave. I don't want to work in Rome. I don't even speak Italian or Latin at that point. You go, huh. So you're there, you get to meet the king, the Messiah. Now you know there's more because there's eternal life. There's heaven. This is not all there is. There's so much more. So from first century to 21st century, God is revealing himself. He's making himself known. He has a plan for us, and it takes us way beyond this place. It's more than a dash. It doesn't have a second date. There's no second date. Just a beginning date. No second date. You get that? I think that's pretty cool. Precious pursuits. Serving the Lord even when things are not understood, when they're unfair, difficult, exhausting, expensive, or unappreciated because he loves you and has extravagant plans for you. So much more. So much more coming. So much more available. Available here and now. He just wants to break it loose. And that means some adjustments. Adjustments and attitudes and approach and behaviors and priorities and saying, wow, there's so much more out there for us. But we can shut down. And we can just turn in on ourselves and we can blame God and we can say, my situation is horrible. But unless your situation is far beyond the slaves of Rome, I don't think you have anything to complain about. So it's time to get real, isn't it? Get real with him. Move forward in the things he's called us to, which is greater. And we'll just keep getting greater. We're not at the end yet. There's no second date. 
Come on. That's just pretty cool. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for uh, those who have served. Uh, we're remembering for this country, those who have served and given their lives uh, sacrificially on behalf of uh, the people here, freedom, their families, and their buddies who they were serving with. Thank you for, for all that. Thank you for those, as we remember those that we will uh, visit or think about today in, in uh, cemeteries and just going through that process. Thank you for the lives of family and friends and those who have shared time with us in this life. We look forward to a whole lot more time together coming up. Thank you for this time together today and allowing us to uh, look into Colossians. And Lord, I hope to look into your face. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.